This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen, the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Also, those that are listening on Warning Radio or our Warning Shortwave program, social media, different channels we're on, welcome. We're in our college classroom, our chapel here at World Ministries International. It's a live audience. And I'm going to talk about tabernacles. We're in the Feast of Tabernacle season. Specifically, I'm going to talk today about trumpets. Just to give you a little summary very quickly, there are seven basic feasts more holidays in the Word of God, all pointing toward Jesus Christ. And we celebrate it in that respect, pointing toward Jesus Christ. That's different than maybe the Orthodox Jews, secular Jews, but we point toward Jesus Christ as the fulfillment, first of the spring feast, they've been fulfilled by our Lord and Savior, and he will fulfill the fall feast, which deals with trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles under the general feast season, the Feast of Tabernacles. Spring Feast, just to summarize it quickly, you have Passover, you have unleavened bread, you have first fruits and Pentecost. Passover, Jesus was our Passover lamb, the lamb's blood, Jesus' blood. Unleavened bread deals with sin. We need to remove it in our lives. First fruits, the resurrection. Why do we serve Jesus Christ? Because he's a living savior, the resurrection. That's why we don't have to fear death. And Pentecost, the power of God, the Holy Spirit that we're supposed to all operate in. Now we're going to look at again the fall feast under the season of tabernacles, specifically today, trumpets. Just to give you a little bit of a footnote, there is a different time of the year because the Gregorian calendar is a sun or solar calendar. The Jewish calendar is a moon or lunar calendar. Again, the Gregorian calendar is a sun or solar calendar. Now, there is 11 and a quarter days longer, the solar calendar, than the lunar year. So you're going to either celebrate it, depending on the year, in September or October. Right now, we're celebrating it in early September. Now, tabernacles, tabernacles, that's a feast season. But it was the last of the required feast seasons. It included trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. We already discussed, again, Passover, Pentecost. Those two seasons, also the Jewish males, were required to journey to Jerusalem for its celebration. One day, the Lord will be living with us here on earth, and we will all go to Jerusalem. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles. 
It's also called Exodus 23:16, the Feast of Ingatherings. Why? Because you're dealing with a harvest. These feast seasons dealt with harvest, agriculture. And so this is now the harvesting of it and the harvest of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, harvesting you and I to go and be with him if we know him as Lord and Savior. The fulfillment of what he's been doing in our life, the harvest. If you're a planter, a farmer, this is a great season for you. You're harvesting what your hard work was all about. And we enjoy harvest because we have people in the ministry like a lady named Karen. You've heard it over the years. And I just enjoyed today for my breakfast, three of her tomatoes with eggs and made a good meal. Healthy. So those tomatoes, there's nothing like you'll buy in a store. Now, the Feast of Passover teaches us about God's peace. Pentecost talks about God's power. And Tabernacles teaches us about God's rest. We need to learn how to rest in the Lord, how to live with him in us and be content, be at peace. And he will return and we will be at peace forever with the Lord and our Savior. Now, the feasts are religious seasons. And I mentioned that they deal again with agriculture. That's how they were built around. So we need to understand those things. Now, the Jews fulfilled the first two callings. What callings am I talking about? Well, Jesus came and three callings to the Jews. He would make them want to provide for them a way of escape. And, and he did that. He died on a cross. But he did that for all of humanity. So Jesus chose the Jews to work out certain divine plans and purposes. God would use them to write down and preserve the scriptures. They did. To bring the Messiah into the world. That happened. And to proclaim the gospel of Christ to all nations. That has not happened. Most of the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. Obviously, the mighty apostles, the first century church, they did great exploits through Jesus, through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit. But the Jews failed on this third point of bringing salvation to the world. They became also persecutors of our Lord and Savior and the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Jews rejected Jesus, God directed his attention toward the Gentiles. John said of Jesus, he came to his own, meaning the Jews, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, Gentiles, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now you'd read that in John 1, 11 through 12. So for the last 2,000 years, God has given his favor and attention to the Gentiles. The Gentiles, not the Jews, have been greatly blessed by God. The Gentiles have had encounters with God. The Gentiles have seen the ones to have been used to see the miracles and spread the gospel. This span of time in history when God's attention is directed toward the Gentiles is referred to as the church period. It began with a feast of Pentecost, and it will continue up to the future prophetic fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles, the return of Jesus Christ, uh, the trumpet of the Lord. We're going to get into these things right now. But we are in that season, and literally, as I speak, we have never seen it so close and so relevant and so clear in America today as there's a great shaking 
a great division between really those that are born again and those that play the game. Laws are coming against the church of Jesus Christ. They're trying to take away our constitutional freedoms and move us under a new world order. And only the born-again church will stop it. And if they don't stop it, we lose America. We know that a great trouble is coming. The Bible prophesies it. And so trumpets, the book of Revelation is just about to start. And uh, we should be well aware of that and preparing our hearts for just that. Israel has been restored as a nation. The Jews once again occupy Jerusalem. And we can know that God is even now dealing with the Jews as a nation. All eyes are on Israel because that is the epic center. Jerusalem, the epic center. Everybody is watching Israel, the Jews, Jerusalem. That is and always has been the epic center that the Lord is using to get the world's attention. And again, Israel, the battle of Armageddon. Again, all eyes will be forever until the Lord returns upon Israel, Jerusalem, the nation. The church period is coming to a close. And God is preparing the Jewish people for the return of Jesus Christ. So they're only going to see more persecution. God is dealing with them. And he deals with them. He allows things to come into our lives, all of us, to deal with our imperfections, to get our eyes on the Lord, to turn our eyes toward Christ, to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with our iniquities, our sins, our failures. And he wants a bride that is holy without spot or wrinkle. And that's exactly what's going to happen, not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. We are in an age, even though God's used the Gentiles, I'll tell you, the Gentile church right now is dysfunctional. It's a mess. It's lukewarm. And a lot of trouble is coming to the Gentile church. A lot of trouble. Why are we seeing just about a loss of freedom? Because the Gentile church has failed. And if they don't wake up, let me tell you, persecution's coming like the Gentile church has never seen in America. We have never seen it. What's going to happen to Christians? I don't know if it's going to wake the church up until you're arrested, until many are executed. And then guess what? It's too late. We've lost our freedoms. So just get ready to be a martyr or to go through prison. Say, so you're scaring me. Well, then get right with God and lead a revival. Something better wake us up. It's coming. Leviticus 23, chapter 23, Leviticus. You can read all about the seven feasts. But here's a comment to the Jews. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. I read that because it's going to mean something later. The key word for the purposes of the discussion in this word that we just read is stranger. It refers to Gentiles. The story of Ruth and Boaz was written in the Bible as an example of this particular instruction from God being obeyed. Boaz was a rich Jewish landowner. Ruth was a Gentile Moabite who gleaned in the fields. Ruth married Boaz as a result became a partaker in the covenant. The promises God had made to Abraham. Likewise, the Gentiles have been partakers in certain of the covenant promises to Abraham. Thank God. Amen? Thank God. That Ruth and Boaz relationship. We are part of that covenant. We are grafted in like Ruth married Boaz. We are one people. Boaz, again, a type of the shadow of Christ. Ruth is a type of the church. The prophetic significance of the Feast of Tabernacles is it represents the end of the age and the return of Jesus as God's 
final encounter with the Jewish people. You can read that in Romans chapters 9 through 11. We're not going to take the time to read all the scriptures because we want to get through trumpets. And I should have an hour, but I don't. Now, Leviticus 23, 23 through 25. God gave the following instructions to regard the Feast of Trumpets. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of the trumpets, a holy convocation. Blowing of the trumpets. Again, Feast of Trumpets. You shall do no customary work on it. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. We see from this scripture reference and note that the Feast of Trumpets was on the first day of the seventh month on the religious calendar. It corresponds to the months of September or October on the Jewish calendar. The main purpose of the Feast of Trumpets was to announce the arrival of the seventh month in order to prepare the people for the Day of Atonement, which was ten days later. Okay, you have the trumpets, you have everything involved in the trumpets being blown. You know, the seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. So you have the trumpets, the announcements. You have, again, all of that two billion people dying in the vials. You have the persecution. You have a great revival. And finally, you have the return of Christ. But before that, again, there will be persecution. There will be a divine announcement. Now, it was special this seventh month because it was a time when God would complete his dealings with the people for the year. It was also the last time they were required to journey to Jerusalem until the following year at Passover. Now, the day was not marked by any special events other than the blowing of trumpets. Again, the Feast of Trumpets. And that's Numbers 29, 1 through 6. You could read it again if you wanted to. The Hebrews always blew trumpets on the first day of each month so everyone would know the new month had arrived. Numbers 10, 10. Now, we in our ministry here, when we start our service, we blow the trumpet or the shofar, what we, you know, what the name is, shofar. We blow that ram's horn, so to speak. And um, then we start worshiping God. And worship is also a, a very important part of our service to God. It's also part of warfare. But we don't have time to teach on that. But the Feast of Trumpets, they blew them extra long and extra loud, and they blew them all day. The type of trumpet blown was the ram's horn, or which the Hebrew word is shofar. The shofar was blown in remembrance of the ram that was sacrificed in the place of Isaac, Genesis twenty-two, thirteen. Now, God used trumpets in the Old Testament as a means of communicating with his covenant people. God could not speak directly to the people without them being terrified. Many Christians are terrified today if they would hear God because they're not close to God. They're not close to the Holy Spirit. It's mental ascent. If they were sleeping and God spoke, they would be terrified because they don't really know God. So God used the shofar, trumpets, to communicate to his people. He spoke to them again indirectly through this method, the use of trumpets. <clears throat> to the Hebrews, the sound of trumpets represented both the voice of God and the might of God in warfare. The voice and might of God. Originally, two silver trumpets were blown, but they were later replaced by the shofar. The silver trumpets were made from the same source of silver. They were blown to assemble the people to worship, to break up camp in order to move on, and as alarm in preparation for battle. 
One of the clearest demonstrations of the use of trumpets in warfare is the story of Joshua at the Battle of Jericho. Now, I've been at Jericho many times. Dr. Buckhart in this room has been there with me. And uh, it's quite a city. Right now it's under the control of the PLO. But the Lord is returning, and once again, it'll be under his control. The angel told Joshua to march his army around the city once each day for six days. Seven priests went, were to follow the army, each blowing a shofar. They were followed by another group of priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, who were followed by a rear guard. All were to march in absolute silence. No one was to say a word. You know, that's a, that's a good thing to remember when God speaks be quiet. Some people argue with God. You say, well, how can you do it? You do it all the time. You read the Bible, you don't agree with it, or you don't like it, or you don't like what the pastor says. You're arguing with God. Why? Because of your vanity, to be very honest with you. Now, some people aren't used to being told very bluntly it's your vanity that is your problem, but that is the problem with every person is how arrogant are we? How much do we argue with God? How much do we comply? How much do we resist? How much do we murmur? How much do we complain? How much do we gossip? How much do we act like a busybody because we don't like what God said in the word or behind the pulpit? People argue with God all the time. Here, you weren't supposed to say one word. Keep your mouth shut. Follow instructions. You know, that is the key for miracles. Just do what God says. Just do what he says in the word of God. Just do what he says through his, his leaders he's placed over us. Just do what he says, and miracles will happen. Our prayers will be answered. We will be blessed. Joshua carried out the battle plan given to him by the commander of God's army. It all happened just as God said, and the Jews soundly defeated their enemy. As God spoke to the people and used trumpets to fight their battles for them, the Jews began to call God, the horn of their salvation. That's where that phrase came. By this, they meant God was their deliverer who would fight their battles for them and save them from their enemies. The horn of their salvation. Blowing the trumpet, the horn of our salvation. God speaking, God fighting, we win. Powerful illustration. King David was a great warrior who clearly understood and appreciated the might of God in warfare. He often spoke of God as the horn of his salvation. Psalm 18. David says to God, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God in whom I will trust, my shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Who shall I be saved from my enemies? See, David understood this, uh, the, the victories that Israel had in the past. He understood them. He applied them in his own struggles. We can apply these principles in our own struggles. We can trust in God. We can allow God to speak to us and through us, through the word and other means. And uh, let the horn of our salvation, let God fight our battles and we can win. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. Also 2 Samuel 22, 3. Now, Jesus is the true commander of the army of God. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Zacharias learned that the Messiah was to be born. He prophesied these words concerning him. Blessed is the Lord, the Lord of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation. 
for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Luke 1, 68 through 71. Wow, that was Zacharias. Again, remember Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Jesus is a true commander of the army of God. Again, we are entering into this period very soon and we better know who the commander of God's army is. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We better go to him like we've never gone to him. Prayer, fasting, etc. Zacharias referred to the Messiah, Jesus, as the horn of salvation who would save them from their enemies. In the first century, the enemy that the Jews wanted to be saved from was Rome. The Jews were looking for a deliverer who would overthrow the Roman Empire and establish the kingdom of David. Yet in his first coming, Jesus' purpose was not to destroy the Roman Empire. His purpose was to destroy the works of Satan and the sin in men's heart that made possible the evil and oppression of Rome. See, we'll never win in a direct hand-to-hand fight in America right now. The church is too backslidden. The people of America are too backslidden. Too many of them agree now with communism and Marxism. The only hope is the horn of our salvation, Jesus Christ, and salvation coming to the hearts of men. That's what Jesus came to give. That's the only thing that could defeat Rome is changing the heart of men. We have to have a tremendous revival or we have no hope in America. We have to change the heart of men. That's the whole point of the warning message is to change the heart of men, to point toward the return of Christ, to preach repentance, to give warning. That's what we're all about. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he challenged you and I to do. So Zacharias referred to the Messiah Jesus as a horn of salvation. As the commander of the army of God and the horn of our salvation, Jesus has defeated the enemies of our soul. But victory was not an easy one. Satan did not give up without a fight. There was a great spiritual battle involved, and there still is. Again, immediately after Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he encountered spiritual warfare. So will you. You say, nothing ever bothered me, really, until I got really serious with God. Because you were, you were no threat to the enemy. You were already in the chow line eating food. You weren't fighting. Why should he bother with you? You're worthless. You're pathetic. You weren't a fighter. You were probably an obese person on spiritual food that you couldn't digest. In other words, you were dysfunctional. You were lukewarm. You were in love with yourself and the things of this world. Now, when you get serious... Now the devil wants to attack you. Why? Because you're becoming a warrior now. He doesn't like that. He doesn't want you to go out and get people saved. He doesn't want you to bring salvation. He doesn't want to see miracles happen through your leadership, your anointing. He wants you on the chow line getting fat. That's exactly right. I can see a woman on my front pew just (laughs) chewing, chewing, pretending she's getting fat. And that's what most Christians do. They just chew, chew, and get fat. But they don't digest the word of God. They don't let it help them. They continue in their obesity or dysfunctional behavior. We need to have repentance. We need a mighty revival. We need salvation coming right now again to America. This is what created America. Salvation, we need it again. We need it again. We need to get back to God again. It's the only hope we have. 
Personal application, the Feast of Trumpets relates to the Christian's spiritual warfare. We've had the Feast of Pentecost. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, hopefully everybody in this room. We need again to be involved in this spiritual battle. Trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, ushering in the return of Jesus Christ. The closer we draw near to God, the more our spiritual battle intensifies. We become a threat to Satan when we begin to walk in the power of God. He will do anything he can to defeat us. Learning how to live in the victory of Jesus Christ as a horn of salvation is a prerequisite to entering the rest of God, into his rest. Do we know who our Savior is? Do we know the power he has, that he can fight our battles? Can we have rest in the battle, in the storm? Can we go to sleep with bullets all around us? I've testified how I did that in Uganda when you know Idi Amin and others overflew, overthrew the government and, and bullets were going around and I just went to sleep. Because I learned to trust in Jesus. I learned to trust in God that he's the horn of my salvation, that nothing could touch me unless God allows it. We've got to get to that point. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, Paul says, identifies the real enemy and says, finally, our brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. The Feast of Trumpets, then atonement, then tabernacles. Jesus is coming back. Draw nigh to him like you've never done before. Get in the battle and see victories in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.